Hello and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friend, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Hola. And today we are joined by our friend, Mike. Hola. Today we're talking about Avengers Endgame and movies that change cinema. So spoiler alert for Avengers Endgame. Sit back, relax, or if you're driving, please sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. So, Mike, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, We had you and Diana on a previous episode. It's really great to have you back. Thanks, man. It's great to be back. I absolutely love your show. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. We love your show. Thank you Um, so so much. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So... Even though we've had you on before, do you want to let the listeners know uh, a little bit more about yourself? Oh, absolutely, man. Thank you for that opportunity. Uh, my name's uh, Mike Burge. Uh, I am the host of one of, of a few uh, podcasts over on uh, our channel. It's called Story Screen Presents. Uh, I host the uh, show Overdrinkers, which is pretty much our uh, retrospective analysis uh, podcast where I also get really drunk uh, <laughs> with a guest or a couple and kind of talk about uh, different movies. We've done stuff like, uh, you know, uh, you guys actually came on one. We did um, The Big Sick, right? Mm-hmm. Is what you guys yeah. are on? Yeah. And that was like a blast. That was probably one of the most newer movies we did with Overdrinkers. But we've also done stuff like we covered all the Nolan movies and we've talked about uh I'm actually recording one on Whiplash and the Ooh. comparative nature that it has with The Lion King. Oh. Of all things. Oh, that episode's going to slap. No, it's yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, but that's that's pretty much what I do over there. And we also have other episodes, like uh, other shows, like Hot Takes is mm-hmm. uh, the newer stuff. And we also have a TV show one, which is Cat the Raycast. We have a video game series called Talking Simulator, where we go into like the story nature of some video games. Like we've done Bioshock. And mm-hmm. uh, have you guys ever played the like Limbo or Inside games, the Play Dead games? No, no. You, know, you would love those. They're like quick three hours. Yeah. They're all like just like um, I can't remember what it's called. It's just like uh, like single like uh, like side scrolling. Okay, uh, kind yeah. of stuff, and Ooh. they just—they're so cool. They're deeply thematic. They're super creepy. They're—they're they're awesome. They're I, like cool. I yeah. do want to mention that ever since video games required me to use two analogs, one to like move left and right, and one to turn your direction, I stopped playing video games. <laughs> I, so I like in 1997, I can't yeah. play. Right. Yeah, when Alex, <laughs> Alex perceives everything in two dimensions. So once the the camera oh, was introduced, that's so sad. because yeah, no, I've played Super Mario 64. It only required one analog. You just have to go at the right angle. The diagonal is what mm-hmm. turns mm-hmm. you and your body. It's it's just too tough for me. I can't do <laughs> Call of Duty. I can't do. That's it. That's one example. That's, that's, that's actually good. I've been, uh, I've been, I've been dabbing quite hard lately to the uh, Super Mario sixty four uh, soundtrack yeah. with the score. Mm. That's some mm. good stuff. Have you? I downloaded the entire soundtrack way back with LimeWire. Oh case wow! Risque. That's why your computer doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you heard of the video game Shovel Knight? No, that, go on. That soundtrack slaps. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Shovel or, Knight. Um, yeah, Shovel Knight. I'll listen um, to it after this. Yeah, it's on Spotify. Um, you guys have, over at Story Screen, uh, a movie rating. It used to be fucks, but now it's something else. Well, is like the highest. We're in, we're in a little bit of a like a, a, a cross kind of. We, we wanted to come up with a rating system, and one night we were all drunk, mm-hmm. as we get. And we were just like, wouldn't it be funny to just like use like these terms that people like slaps and snaps and stuff like that? And then we were like, what's the best one? And it was slaps for a while, and I was really happy with that. And then it was like somebody said fucks, (laughs) and I was like, that's really funny. But like like anything that's kind of like pervasive, uh, it eventually kind of outstays its welcome a little bit. And I think slaps is still funny, Mm -hmm. but uh, you know, fucks will probably just stick around. But I I was hoping to come up with something like we were talking about chef's kiss, which we have already said for a while. you know, I do. One of my favorite ones is the one Jack came up with when a movie is bad, which we don't normally get to say because, like, we don't normally give a movie like a zero rating, but we, we call it, it honks. Because oh, when okay. a movie is just like not good, it's a honker. Um, yeah, we got we got our little rating system. We're 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 still growing. 160 episodes in, and we're still changing our <laughs> our whole platform because we really don't have a platform. We just kind of go with it. Yeah, our rating it. system is much more sophisticated. No. But Joe and I will never agree on it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> we give. Um, 
stars, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but Alex is very much against giving half stars. Yeah, to which, me, to me, if I was well, how many give, stars are you dealing with? Out of, out of five. To me, mm-hmm. if I wanted to do half stars, I would have made the rating system out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, the purpose of having five stars is to like really define and determine whether it was good mm-hmm. or bad. Three is that tipping point. I agree with both of you. Mike knows how to set on a fence. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I could talk about just different rating systems all day, but um, to get us onto Endgame, Mike, do you think you could give us a synopsis of the movie? Yeah. um, Following the events of Avengers Infinity War, which saw all of Marvel Cinematic Universe's heroes coming together to fight Thanos, uh, in the aftermath of a devastating loss, the heroes get back together to figure out exactly how they can reconcile the differences both internally and externally and come to a 22-film ending that has been building up for 10 years. 11 years. Eleven years, of course, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they finally didn't change the, the, the I and the O in Studios of the Ten, which I was like, they did it for Infinity War. I was like, awesome, guys, good job. Then they did it for Ant-Man and the Wasp. I was like, you're outstaying, you're welcome, stop yeah. it. <laughs> and then they did it for Captain Marvel, and I was like, it's not even ten years anymore. What are you doing? Yeah, when they, I was waiting for it when I was watching uh, Endgame. And it didn't do it, and I was like, that makes sense. Well, because Endgame's a serious movie. Endgame it's a very serious, serious movie. adult movie. Well, I was surprised, because um, Infinity War during the Marvel opener doesn't have, like, music playing. Endgame has, like, fun 70s... Mr. Fantasy plays. Yeah. yeah. I, I should let you know, real quick, that I have watched this movie way more than you guys. I'm sure. Uh, That's the I perk ha- of owning I, a movie theater. I have theater. only seen oh, it in its entirety yet? once. <laughs> But I've watched the ending probably about four times, mm. and I've watched the very first 15 minutes a lot. I pretty much hang out in the theater for the first 15 minutes in the back, not bugging anybody, because that that first... Are we spoilers? Are we talking... Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. We, I mean, we definitely mentioned it I in mean, the I mean, I literally opening. want to just talk about the first minute of the movie, but, but yeah, 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 I don't want to... At this point, yeah. everyone, yeah. really, if you're listening and you haven't watched it... I'm going to get mad at you. Yeah. Okay? This is not our fault. Yeah, we said spoilers from the intro, but here's the 100% back out now moment. All right? Mm -hmm. Spoilers. Okay, man. All right. Um, That Hawkeye scene at the beginning is absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. It is... I've watched it, like, like I said, like 15 times. It is so much fun. I love it. Everything else in the movie could not go where it goes, and I would still love the movie because that first minute or two minutes or so is just like, Hawkeye is one of my favorite characters in the MCU because of how underutilized he is, Mm -hmm. and it just makes it so much more poignant when he gets to do something. And that's why, again, in this movie, I kind of really dig it, and I like that it kind of jumps off. On him because we didn't get to see what he was up to in Infinity War. Right. I don't. And, I don't want to get ahead of it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a perfect transition because when we are watching Infinity Wars, we see like the superhero ramifications of the snap. But this is the beginning of Endgame, and we see the civilians' consequences of the snap. They had no idea that mm-hmm. this was coming. Whereas all the superheroes are like, "We have to stop it. We have to stop it." All civilians are just like moving on with their life. And then suddenly there's a rapture, a literal 50% mm-hmm. gone. And it puts it, it's the perfect transition of a superhero who's currently a civilian experiencing it. Yeah, I thought that opening was exactly what the um, movie needed because, Mike, like you said, we get to see what Hawkeye's up to. Um, but also, Alex, like you just said, it's showing what people who weren't fighting Thanos are doing. Like, all of a sudden, your family Ooh. just disappears. Yeah, it's it's. Like, have, you guys, have you guys ever watched the show uh, The Leftovers? Uh, I've heard about it. Uh, yeah, same. Uh, first off, fucks masterpiece, yeah. one of the greatest things ever fucking made. Period. And I don't like Damon Lindelof. Mm-hmm. He gets this one, uh, <laughs> but it's very reminiscent of that. Me and Bernadette actually recorded a Cathode Raycast on The Leftovers because I had never watched it. She liked it. She recommended it. I trust her judgment when it comes to these things, especially TV. She knows how TV Mm -hmm. works. And um, she recommended Leftovers to me, so I crushed the three seasons in, like, a month. And just it's one of my favorite things I've ever seen. And it's very much about, like, the rapture kind of thing. And 
a bunch of people just disappear. Nobody knows what happened to them. The difference here is, uh, like, I, I, I don't know if we're ever actually told that, ev- like, the world knows that Thanos is responsible for what happened. They do eventually They get do, into like, it, yeah. say that it's like, oh, that's what happened. In, because in Cap- when Captain America is in the support group, yes. he's giving the explanation of, like, if we don't move on with our lives, then the point of Thanos leaving 50% is useless. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is a very cap way to look at it. Cap's very yeah. cap in this movie. He's very Maybe cap. Maybe too cap for some people. I could agree with that. Um, I don't know what it was, but some of the stuff Cap was doing, I was like, this doesn't feel earned. Um, so I think we've got some praises in, we've got some critiques in. I think now would be a good time to go around and give our Fan ratings and then our uh, critic rating. Yeah, um, uh, I can start? I can start. Uh, so my audience rating as an audience member and a huge fan. Uh, Avengers Endgame is eleven years in the making, and since being a freshman in high school, I've been watching Iron Man's progression. I've been watching all these superheroes. I would easily give this a five star rating with all of the build up, with everything I've invested into it. I don't know if it's a sunk cost fallacy at this point, but <laughs> five stars. Out of ten? Out of five. Man. Oh, I see. Were you Sorry. listening? No, no, I was, just trying, listening? I was just trying to make sure. <laughs> yeah, I agree. This movie is definitely for the fans. It's for the people who have either been going and seeing these Avengers movies in the theater since the beginning. Maybe they just recently found out about them and watched them on DVD or something. And not to say that you need to be caught up on the MCU to enjoy it, but it definitely helps. I think to fully appreciate and love this movie, it's for someone who loves them and has seen all of them uh, multiple times. Uh, And so I'm going to give it five stars. It definitely got me emotional and just really, really excited to watch it. Yeah, one star definitely from me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. No, I agree with everything that you guys are saying. It's, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people have been asking me, and you're like, you know, Marvel movies, I'm not really into them, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's absolutely fine. You can do that. And I'll be honest, you know, when I really look at it in the grand scheme of how I interpret and and ingest movies, uh, like the Marvel movies, like, yeah, I'm probably not as into them as some people are either. But I like pretty much all of them. There's mm-hmm. only like one or two that I pick on. And even Thor The Dark World, like I enjoy watching it. I threw on Spider-Man uh, uh, Homecoming last night just to like fall asleep. And I was like, this movie is perfect. Right. Like, if this wasn't Spider-Man, if this was another superhero and we were being introduced to them like this and maybe a small little origin story like to make it make sense, you'd be like, this is one of the best movies ever made. Mm -hmm. It's so engaging and fun. And because of the amount of money that these people have, they can go for that and they can hire these really interesting directors. Mm -hmm. So Endgame is everything that a movie like that is supposed to be. Endgame does everything that Avengers 4 was promised to do 11 years ago, Mm -hmm. even before they knew what it was going to be, let alone what Infinity War promised, and maybe more. It gets five stars. Yeah. It gets five stars. Is it, is, does that mean that it's like going to be the best movie of the year? It'll probably be one of the best just because Mm -hmm. it really is a moment. Yeah. I, I really, that's a great way to put it. It's a moment. Like, this is a game changer, I think. Yeah. I definitely felt, um, I personally am a nitpicker when it comes to time travel. Um, I nitpick when it comes to, like, character growth. I think in isolation, there wasn't a lot of character growth in Endgame. But that's because, like, it all led to this moment. So when Mm -hmm. we see it as a piece of the whole, it didn't really need the growth. Mm -hmm. Um, As a standalone film, though, not much development occurred. But this is basically a season finale, or I guess like a series finale. So right. it's like, if you were watching a TV show, yeah, that character growth wouldn't all happen in the last episode. But you've been watching it for however many episodes now, it's, and so it's, it's, it's been It's the gradual. culmination. It's what happens at the end of the arc. Exactly. And, or, and I think it's really interesting what they do is like uh, with the five-year jump, mm-hmm. is that a lot of things happen, and particularly with Cap. Yeah. A lot of things happen in that five years to these characters off screen, Uh, particularly Cap and Black Widow. They're the ones that are 
almost completely different characters when that uh, fade to black uh, cuts to the the skyline of New York City. Yeah, they are very different people from who they were not only when they first showed up ten or eight years ago, but also like from when we saw them in Infinity War. And I think that's one of the things. Well, big, some of the biggest grievances I've seen in the movie were about Black Widow, Captain America, and Captain Marvel. But the Captain Marvel one is just kind of like. I don't know. I haven't heard a good one. I'm sure there is a good one, but most of the complaints I've heard are just like super fucking sexist. Oh, I'm sure. just like, she's so powerful. She's too powerful. She's out of the movie for the whole thing. And I was like, did you not see Infinity War last year? Like where Thor was gone for like the whole thing? Yeah. What, that's what they do with the really powerful one. Yeah. You didn't complain about that, did you? And they like, just don't like people with long hair. Exactly. Which, she gets a haircut she got, she got to try haircut. and appease, and even and that doesn't didn't do work. Um, but yeah, if uh, we were going to go around in a circle again and rate it as a critic, I'm actually going to give it four stars. Um, and for the main reason of the nitpickiness that I have of time travel, there are a few things that I want to get into as to the rules that they set up and then kind of break, unless I just didn't fully understand the movie, as well as just some investment in characters in the finale that I wish had been invested in the last 21 films so that I would care. Um, and it sort of seemed like they rushed, uh, hey, look, this person is important, even though I didn't feel they were necessarily important. Um, I would also drop it down to a four as like an objective critiquer. Um For similar reasons, I think it's a big swing to bring in time travel just because that is so like theoretically hard to understand so there's a big opportunity for like plot holes or inconsistencies um but other than that like i said i think even if you're not an mcu fan you can still enjoy this movie um and then aside from the storytelling elements i mean marvel always knocks it out of the park with visual effects um so this movie looks really really good um and so i'm just i'm gonna bring it down a little bit but not too bad and so this is critic critical yeah. one one star definitely. Oh man, no, I'm just yep, kidding. Yep, yep. I, I, I would say no. I, I'm I'm still gonna keep it a five because I do you know I do understand the difference between like a kind of uh, fan critique and a critical, but I like to also kind of I always like to mix those together anyway. Mm-hmm. I always like to like critically you know, look at a movie, it's just going to completely destroy the idea of it in my head that I have of a fan one. And so I like to try and bring them in there. And at the end of the day, Endgame does what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And I could maybe want it to do something different. I could maybe not understand fully what it's doing at certain times, which I think I have a pretty good grasp, but I like watch sliders and stuff like that. If I'm into sliders, I'm not really nitpicking time travel stuff, which people are more than allowed to do. I think that's actually some of the most fun conversations I've had about the movie Mm -hmm. are kind of going like, yeah, but if this, then this, right? And it's like, well, kind of, (laughs) you know, because it's time travel, which um, don't know if you never heard, isn't real. (gasps) So, and if it is real, actually, this movie is probably the closest to actually what it is because it's the one that really kind of... Uh, is closest to both what Einstein and Hawking were talking about and recent like discoveries with quantum mechanics and stuff like that. That's kind of probably the closest to how it would work, or at least that's kind of how I would hope. Yeah. And uh, also another thing of it being like ingrained, like time travel was kind of like winked at with Ant-Man right after Age of Ultron. And Age of Ultron really is, it, it's amazing how much Age of Ultron has informed like the last like six years of mm-hmm. this stuff. Like everything's in there. Ragnarok's in there. The whole idea of Ant-Man and time travel is in there. Uh, Vision is in there. Tony Stark's entire thing, a, 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 a suit of armor around the world, is in there. Mm-hmm. Civil War, the grounding, is like made in there. Like, and I love Age of Ultron, and I know a lot of people don't because it is a messy, messy movie. But as a lot of people have said before, it's a messy movie, but it's Joss Whedon's mess. And even Joss Whedon's most messiest work <laughs> is still pretty fucking cool. Yeah, you kind of got at that point um, beforehand when we were talking about like oh, maybe you don't like Marvel, or you do, or somewhere in the between. But yeah, no matter what you think of a Marvel movie, I think even the worst one is going to be a pretty solid movie. Yeah. 
They got good casting, mm-hmm. uh, but for the most part, pretty good directors. Like even the first Thor, which a lot of people get down on, Kenneth Branagh directed that. Kenneth Branagh's a really good director. Yeah. Like that's that's just it. You might not dig his movies, but the guy knows how to use a camera. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I do want to get into more specifics, but maybe in a more organized way. Otherwise, we might fanboy and fangirl around this. For over like two hours, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Which I'm prepared to do. <laughs> <laughs> but people aren't prepared to listen, Joe. <laughs> Fair enough, I guess. <laughs> um, I'd love to go around and um, maybe share our favorite scene or scenes. I know I have a couple written down just so I can uh, Gatlin gun through them real quick. Uh, when Ant-Man crawls up Thanos. Crawls up. Is that, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. I had no, to... I, let's talk about this. <laughs> Surprised that wasn't their first thought, Ant-Man into Thanos' butt, and then expand. Um, it makes sense. Even as funny sense. as it is, it makes sense. They should have done it. They should have done just, just as a tactical plan. I mean, I think there is sense. a joke in it where he says, like, I'm going inside you now. Like, I think that's there yeah. as winky as they can get with a Ant-Man going up Thanos' asshole. Yeah. As, <laughs> as much of a reference as Disney can give. Like, I think that's what they yeah. were getting at. I hope yeah. they added that in to be like, we know you guys. <laughs> um, but no, when Ant-Man gets released from the van and then he goes back to his house and he sees his daughter uh, grown up, uh, he interstellars with his daughter because like, he missed the last five years and they start crying. Uncut I started too. crying. It's one take. Is it? It never cuts. Wow. It's amazing. I didn't even notice that. It's I was great. too like yeah. <laughs> right before that too is because uh, I've been watching up until about that point a lot. The kid that he asks, "Hey, mm-hmm. what happened?" and this kid just looks around, like looks at him. Give this kid an Academy Award every year for the, for the <laughs> rest of his life for at least the next like twenty two years. Yeah. Um, it, it just the look on this kid's face and this sneer, this like slight of confusion and understanding. This is all this kid has known because he's roughly probably about maybe seven or eight years old, if not a little bit older. That's all he. It gets everything in this one tiny moment for a nothing character. No dis, yeah. no disrespect, like a throwaway. It's great. It's it's no, one yeah. of the things that makes the movie very special. I agree. Yeah. Didn't mean to. Didn't mean to disregard. I was like, <laughs> no, I'm going to no, no, forget no. to talk about that. Yeah. No, that, I'm glad you did. It. Yeah, and that I remember. Like, re- I remember that kid's face, and I was like, Oh, there's so much going on with this one <laughs> look that he's giving. It's great. Yeah, uh, because of Paul Rudd, mm-hmm. any single time Ant Man, um, what's his name, Scott Lang, is in a scene, I I swoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely that scene impacted me a lot. Uh, for me, the scenes that I really enjoy are when they go back to the first Avengers time period because they get to make fun of themselves and um, as characters and as, I guess, uh, like screenwriters. Mm-hmm. They, uh, especially with Cap, who kept like using the best lines to reference how much they've learned over the course of time. Like getting to lean over and say, Hail Hydra. And rather than having a fight scene in an elevator, which he's already done before, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God, yes, yes, yes. And this is like a thing like to the greater Cap conversation that we'll have as we go is that Cap has changed and has learned from this kind of altruistic guy to he's been living in the 21st century for a while and he gets that shit is fucking gray. Mm -hmm. It is not black and white. Uh, Do you have a favorite part in... uh the, 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 the time travel shenanigans of figuring mm-hmm. out how time travel works, I like that in any movie. Yeah. Uh, and I love, like, all of the things that are built up to be able to get to that, like, you know, like salt and pepper Hulk and yeah. dad Bob Thor. Like, these are moments that really stand out to me. Not necessarily, you know, scenes and stuff like that, but just, like, ideas where it's like, yeah, Chris Hemsworth. Make him fat. <laughs> it's genius. You can do like, anything. How, you can't fail. Like that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I did love that. Like, let's get the band back together montage. Yeah. With Salt and Pepper Hulk. Um, although I do think his voice should have been deeper, and that's why I gave it four stars. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, well, yeah, because his vocal cords would be thicker. Yeah. And just the physicality of it. You're a doctor. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I loved Dad Bob Thor. Probably my favorite part of the whole movie. 
just the it concept of it dad definitely bod. made me the saddest and not because dad bod is a sad thing but um his form of grief was a lot more um, revealing to his last five years than anyone else's. Like, a lot of people's forms of grief have been, like, trying to move on, talking about it. Mm. His was just yeah. never bring his it up again. His was externalized, yeah. and he was kind of taking it out on himself, whereas, like, Black Widow and Cap were very internalized. Hulk's way of doing it was attempting to, like, better himself and just make himself the best version that he can be. Mm-hmm even though he still feels bad about it. It's all just very different. The, the original core groups, same with Hawkeye, their version of grief is is just like all the different stages that you can go through and the different ways you can interpret really losing. I mean, yeah. you have Rocket, who's yeah, everybody's yeah. dickhead friend, is just making yeah. fun of you. That's who's me, which I, I wish I wasn't <laughs> Rocket, but whenever I see somebody being upset, I'm just like, hey, loser, fuck you. Stop being I'm a, a loser, too. Let's go hang out. Let's, let's be upset together, but then not be upset anymore. <laughs> uh, I definitely feel uh, like the aftermath, as it's, as it's explored, is mm-hmm. one of my favorite aspects of it. And it's the what some people I've heard critique that aspect of, it was just depressing like the first 20 30 minutes you're just sad and i am more under the impression of you have to be yeah after after infinity war if it's not sad for the first half of the movie then you didn't fully understand the ramifications of part one it would almost feel disrespectful like to the ending of infinity war because like the the last thing in infinity war that that, uh, the last thing in infinity war that we see is cap like Oh, no. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You know, we also get, like, you know, Nick Fury going away and Thanos sitting down and smiling. But, like, we don't see any ramifications after that. There's no, like, 25-minute epilogue, something like the Endgame gets, where it kind mm-hmm. of wraps everything up in a nice tight bow. In, in a very pretty bow, might I say. I like it oh, when yes. things are wrapped up nice. It mm-hmm. looks nice. Yeah, especially after 11 years. Yeah. Yeah, they they didn't give any they didn't give any fallout. So the fact that they do that right away, and then they also skip ahead and show what the remaining fallout is, that's the only way to do it, I would think. Mm-hmm. I agree, and I love to kind of talk about the fallout and um, the scene where they go and find Thanos. And they beat him up, and they take him down like in an instant. Beat him up, yeah. Beat the shit out of him. Thor, eventually decapitates him, which I loved because he gets to say, I went for the head. Um, like, that's all they could think of to do. The scene, That scene is going over not well with parents. I, as a uh, theater owner, I will tell you that uh, they're like, <laughs> they get mad at me. I'm like, I didn't make the movie. I didn't yeah. rate it PG-13. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely amusing when I hear about parent stories um, because as much as we criticize the rating system as very subjective and kind of unnecessary, um, it does exist for a reason. People walking out of Deadpool with their kids being like, that wasn't for my kid, <laughs> and people apparently getting upset for the decapitation and Endgame. Like, yeah, it's just, it's just bad parents. It's got nothing to do with the <laughs> studios or the MPAA. It's bad parents. Watch the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> you watch the trailer for Endgame, you go like, yeah, I'm probably not going to take my seven-year-old to this. <laughs> and if you do, well. Yeah. Th- then you're just going to have to talk to them yeah. about big, giant purple guys getting decapitated. Mm-hmm. And it's just, honestly, it's frustrating to see a seven-year-old watching something that I invested 11 years yeah. of my life in. <laughs> yeah. we, we've, had, we've had parents actually at the theater, though, like where it's like their kids kind of start freaking out. The movie's long. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing, re- like, nothing really happens as far as a seven-year-old's mentality would work, which is why when people call things boring, I'm just like, like a ch- you're like a child. Yeah. Aw, <laughs> you thought there will be blood is boring. Boring, like a child would. Um, That's what people they're are They're actually saying. getting them and taking them out. Like, they're like, we understand that this is a big deal, that everybody here is like, mm-hmm. you're invested in this. We tried. Our seven-year-old is not working out. And so, like, we've given, like, free passes to... Oh, nice. We've given free passes to uh, parents where it's like, if you can find somebody to babysit them over the weekend, you can come in to another screening that's not sold out. And they've been coming back in. It's pretty cool. That yeah. is That awesome. is very cool. But going back to the, oh, you're a child, ah. uh, people talking about the first two episodes of Game of Thrones for the last season, a lot of people have been coming back being like, it's boring. Nothing happened. And it was like... 
No, so much happened. You just didn't care about it because you're not invested in these characters because you haven't been invested in this show and blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. I, I'm glad I can finally call them out for what they are. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's children. It's like somebody that gets handed a chocolate bar and they're like, this doesn't taste good. I like it when it's potato chips. <laughs> You're like, well, yeah, but you didn't get handed a bag of potato chips, bro. You got handed this. Like, what do you got to say about the chocolate bar? It sucks. I don't like it. It's not it's potato chips. Like, you got chips. nothing else to say about the, the, the chocolate bar? Just that it's not potato chips? Yeah. It's a dragon's. <laughs> uh, okay, let's, uh, let's move on just a little bit. Um, so... As much as we all love the movie, I definitely want to get into maybe criticisms and how we would make the movie better. I'll start only because um, just in terms of how I would make it better, I don't know. Um, I think I can pick out critiques of the movie, but I'm, I don't know how I would make it like more enjoyable. I think the critiques I have are like nitpicky, so I wouldn't necessarily change anything about the movie. Okay. Um... That's easy enough for me to transition to then mm-hmm. because there are points where I can see this can be improved. Not necessarily how, but for me to be even more invested, I would want, for one, I would want Captain America to suffer more, at least on screen. Because his story, very depressing, but because he's such an optimistic guy, and I understand that's like his character, I really needed him to suffer specifically with, are you ready for it? Iron Man's death. There, I finally said it. Phew. <laughs> um, because their conflict that started in Age of Ultron, blew up in Civil War, and then they came back together here, was very big on ideologies. And Iron Man said the line, where, hey, when we were arguing, you and I said, what if we lose? You said, well, then we'd lose together, and now look where we are. I needed Cap to be sad about that, and they don't really show it enough. That's, that's one way mm-hmm. where I would want to improve it. I would say, I guess, I guess maybe I do have a how I would make it better. Um, I understand why, why storytelling-wise and thematically, um, Captain America wasn't. Um, getting the Soul Stone with Black Widow, but I think that would have been an important place for him to be because in Infinity War, his whole mantra was, we don't trade lives. So for him to be put in that specific situation, I think could have done what you were talking about. But again, I understand why he needed to go back to the first Avengers time. Yeah, and plus them not necessarily loving each other in the Mm -hmm. same way that Hawkeye and Black Widow loved each other. But you bring up a good point. I'd love it if Cap could have been the one to have to trade a life. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, (laughs) yeah, uh, no, I I agree with what you guys are talking about. I really liked, uh, I, I, I thought that Cap did have a little bit of a hit when Tony said that to him, um, but we're not we're that, not really yeah. allowed to like sit in that timeline because literally about thirty seconds later we go five years, mm-hmm. you know, like it's you know it, it, we we go ahead and he's just kind of like I do think that one of the biggest grievances you can have with the movie as far as the relationships between the two main dudes, which is Iron Man and Captain America, is that they used to be friends and that they're not anymore and that they're differing ideologies separated them and and stopped their friendship from growing into like something that it could have been that it never was mm-hmm. and there's no way to ever get that back and i think that that's one of the main things some people have asked like cap doesn't seem too like torn up about tony's death and i was like well i mean i'm sure he's sad mm-hmm. but it's like also this is a guy who like you know they used to like work together 10 years ago and Mm -hmm. they worked together for a bit and saved the world a couple times and then they had a big falling out they had a big fight and uh one wasn't talking to the other for a while and then they got together and like one was kind of a dick to the other maybe rightfully Mm -hmm. and then they haven't really talked for five years so it's like this is the thing like they've been on the the cusps of friendship longer than they've been actual friends. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things, too, like with Lost, where I won't get into, like, things with that, but people are kind of like, the ending of Lost doesn't kind of make sense because these characters shouldn't act like that towards each other, when in actuality it's like, well, these people were only actually together for about 100 days. 
yeah. that you've watched. Everything else is kind of like years. Like you have to kind of remove your expectations of what you want it to be and kind of make them human beings. Right. right. No, and I agree. I think uh, then what Cap could have mourned is the loss of friendship and the loss of opportunity to mend it, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is that line uh, where Iron Man is like, do you trust me, when they have to go back in time again? Mm-hmm. And Cap is like, of course I do. Like, yeah. And that's like a moment to start rebuilding it, and then he doesn't get a chance again. Exactly. So and that's, but that's mourn, the sad part, is like but he's, I, I he's open for it. And that's what you wanted. I want to see but it. But that's not what happened. I, that's I what bet you makes, wanted potato chips, Alex. Yeah, that's what makes Tony's death very upsetting, is that he was just about to start doing, he was going to raise a daughter, mm-hmm. he was going to be a good husband, not a playboy, he was going to be a good friend to Steve. And he doesn't get the opportunity to do that because he sacrificed himself so that all of those other things could still be. Exactly. And it's, it's the complete opposite of... I mean, there, there's an amazing irony, an Iron Manny, an irony nice. in, uh, <laughs> in the fact that Tony uses a weapon that he built in a cave to utilize, like, the galaxy's biggest weapon mm-hmm. against a man who used it to destroy half the population to save it. Like, there's, there's this really interesting, like, multi-layered kind of thing of, like, him saying, I am Iron Man isn't just a callback. It isn't just in retaliation to I am inevitable. There's all of this stuff on it that brings you back to the 2008 arc that he had. And it's really fucking neat. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it makes it very sad that Cap doesn't get to try, but that's where Cap goes oh, yeah. later. Yeah. I'm definitely into it. I don't think of it too much as a flaw, but I do think of it as this is what I wish I had seen. And I understand. Totally. No, no, 100%. And the, uh, I get exactly the chips yeah, 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 metaphor. Yeah, yeah. I do love <laughs> me my potato chips. Um, I did also feel where, and it may have been because of the five-year jump, but the emotion within the dialogue was never addressed again. Like every time they had a very powerful like bum, 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 they would cut scene and then we wouldn't come back to that conversation, likely because of like just the time constraint. But nothing, uh, I guess, grew. Um, and again, 11 years in the making, this is a season finale. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to do that. So I get it. I get why that is. Uh, if I'm the only one giving critiques here, <laughs> let me give one more. Um, the speediness of Tony Stark discovering time travel after just being given the hints with um, Ant-Man. I didn't mind, but the but the shape that he uses to to like uh, discover, I guess, time travel is the Mobius strip, mm-hmm. which is like a, a fun fact math shape that gets referenced in like high school geometry. If he's a like pure genius, like that should have been like the one of the first shapes he could go to. Mm-hmm. That's like to me and To be fair, it was an inverted Mobius strip. So <laughs> Okay. Okay. I'll give him that. <laughs> I think it was also slightly elongated too. Yeah. Right? Something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I'm no doctor. No, 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 no of course not. Not today, Billy. Not today. In Mean Girls, when Lindsay Lohan's character has that Go moment. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Lindsay Lohan's character has that moment uh, where she where she's like, the limit does not exist. That's like calculus 101. And mm-hmm. she's and they're all calc students. I don't understand how Lindsay Lohan was the only one to have been able to figure out the limit does not exist. And it was kind of an easy quote unquote question for mathletes. Mm-hmm. So I don't have an answer for Mean <laughs> Girls. Um, and to be fair, you know more about math than I do. So yes, maybe that should have been the obvious choice for Tony Stark. But in terms of the speediness, I think they're kind of hinting at he's been trying to figure out time travel for a while. And that's why when Ant-Man's like, let's do a time heist, he's like, no, this is what's going to go wrong. This is what's going to go wrong. Because he's already been doing it. Mm. I don't know if that's necessarily what they were going for, but mm. I think that's how you could read, how did he figure it out in like a day and a half after I they brought it Tony up. Tony Stark. That's also true. Again, he came the, up with that he, in a cottage yeah. in the middle of the woods. <laughs> he built a spaceman suit in a cave <laughs> out of like a out of a, box out of like of a muffler. I do like that concept because when he 
shows up in the car right after Ant-Man got time pushed through him rather mm-hmm. than him going through time. He's like, hey, did this happen? And you could think maybe that happened to him as well mm. while he was like testing things out over the course of the five years. So I'm pretty into it. So I think now would be a really good time to take a break. Um, so we will be right back after these messages. Hey, Joe. Yeah, Alex? Aside from listening to Two Bald Men and Friend over and over and over again, do you listen to any other podcasts? Sometimes uh, when Two Bald Men and Friend is driving me insane, I like to put on a superior podcast, Story Screen Presents. Did somebody say Story Screen Presents? Mike Burge of Story Screen Presents. Hey, guys, here's a bunch of gold coins. Take them. Yeah, you should just jump on over to iTunes or SoundCloud or anything. Story Screen Presents is over there. We got shows like Overdrinkers, where I get drunk and talk about movies. Cathode Raycast, where Bernadette Gorman White gets drunk and talks about TV shows. Hot Takes, where Jack Kalajewski and Robert Anderson sometimes get drunk and talk about movies. We're alcoholics. I'm noticing a pattern. <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, they're all really smart movie people, and they don't always drink, and none of them drink as much as me. I'm the one with the problem. That's why I have to make fun of it to make myself feel better. Is this a test? Uh, please make Mike feel better by listening to Story Screen Presents wherever you get your podcast. Good night. Enjoy those gold coins, guys. Yay! Boy, oh boy, I don't know about you guys, but I am so ready to purchase those goods or services. Yum, yum. Um, so, we, uh, when we were talking about the episode, played Fuck, Mary Kill with Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man, and I just think we should share our answers. Um, I'll go first. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Unless, guess, if there's no objection. No, no, no. You hey, so, well, I had this idea, guys. Figured we'd do this. I'll go first. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's why I'm the host, baby. <laughs> um, so I would fuck Captain America. Um, he's got America's ass, and he could do it all day. Uh, can't want anything more than that. I'd marry Thor um, because it turns out we both like drinking beer, and we both like playing video games. Um, and Thor's always, I think, been... Uh, I feel like he's always been like the funniest Avenger and like the one I'd most want to hang out with. Um, at least in... like. Maybe not in Thor the Dark World, but, like, <laughs> in Age of Ultron and Ragnarok, definitely. He really stuck on Thor for, like, a while there. Yeah, so. He's my husband. Yeah, I got no, okay. <laughs> Stand by your man. Is your boner going to get an opinion? Jeez. <laughs> oh. It, <laughs> um, and then I'd kill Iron Man, mostly just because of process of elimination, but maybe... Um, my husband Thor gets something in his will, and so. Well, then you're means... exactly like the writers of Endgame. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> oh my God! Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I would. Uh, I'd fuck Thor. Nice. Because he looks like a good ride. I agree. I'd marry Cap because he could do this all day, nice. and that means that he could do it for the rest of our lives. That's beautiful. Wow. I thought that Every was day sexual, for the rest of our lives. <laughs> Endgame just made me tear up for the fifth time <laughs> because of that. And uh, I would kill Tony um, because he fucked with my man, Cat. Oh. And ain't nobody fuck with my man. Ain't no one. Slice the shit. Are you guys allowed to swear on this? By oh, the way? yeah. We've oh. been editing out every single time <laughs> we, any oh, of us, say that. fuck shit. Have we been swearing? Yes, the whole time. Okay. Every the time. first thing you said was <laughs> fucks was the ratings. <laughs> <laughs> but every, every time we swear, you just hear Alex going, boy, 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 boy. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to edit, but it's worth it. <laughs> um, for me, I would fuck Captain America because I think he's a gentleman and he'd treat me nice. Um, with a lot. <laughs> with, oh, honey. <laughs> With a lot of reservation, I would marry Tony Stark. Um, A lot of it is for the money. I do recognize flaws in Tony Stark that I um, don't recognize in the other ones. But if I married Cap, he would always be morally better than me, and I can't have that. (laughs) And I'd have to kill Thor, not because I want to, but because I know he's not a bottom. 
And <laughs> no way, just, no. He could be a bottom. No, he couldn't. I think that like you get enough wine in that yeah. boy, get some grapes on a vine, mm-hmm. and he's just like, yes. He'll be like, verily, Endgame, whatever Endgame you wish. Thor is a bottom. You think Endgame Thor? So depressed Thor? I don't want to fuck depressed. Look, Thor. bottoms Thor- are naturally depressed. That's why they're on the bottom. Look, they don't have the oomph. I don't know if Thor is pitching or catching, but I know he's a team player, and it's a team that I want to root for. So, um, what is this podcast about again, by the way? <laughs> um, so we are talking about movies that change the game. Um, Mike, you brought it up before that Endgame is like a moment, and so we're talking about other movies that, in retrospect, could be like, "Wow, like nothing has been the same since." Yeah, and it's not necessarily this movie is the best, but prior to this movie, other movies didn't exist the way that this movie did. Mm-hmm. Um, I could definitely start us off. I want to talk about uh, Snow White and Toy Story. Uh, I didn't have a personal investment in Snow White because that came out in 1937. Um, But I did have a very personal investment in Toy Story, specifically Toy Story 2, because that was the first time I went to a theater. Ooh, That was your first one? That was my first time. What was your first? Mine was, uh, uh, what was it? It was was, uh, Batman. Parents told me to go see Batman. I've seen every Batman movie in the theater. Wow. Which, like, I just made because, like, Batman, the first one was, like, 89. I was, like, three years old. Oh, yeah. So my parents were those parents. Nice. <laughs> they were, like, three-year-old to, like, the Jack Nicholson Batman movie. I don't know if this is my first. It's definitely the first I remember was Monsters, Inc. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's a good one to be a first. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Snow White, 1937. It was the first ever full-length animated film. A lot of people said it was going to flop. No one's interested in this. And it was a huge success. And Disney has never been the same, but theater <laughs> hasn't been the same. Yeah. No, um, no black people in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Just point it out. Just point it out. But to also point out, for a little while, whenever there was a black person, it was super racist. Oh, yeah. So it's actually... It's actually better that they weren't back there. It's better that they I'm cutting together cartoon loops for free for the theater, and, like, I have to go in and find the ones that are about, like, Japanese people (laughs) or Nazis. Like, they're even, like, super disrespectful to Germans with the whole Nazi thing where you got to be like... Nah. <laughs> so you start Just out with like a three-hour block and you end up with only half an hour of things that you can actually <laughs> use. You're like, man, these guys were like pressed for time. Yeah, like, yeah, what to do. <laughs> uh, and then Toy Story was the first ever full-length uh, computer animated film that totally changed the game um, with Tim Allen and Tom Hanks. And at that point, they were very popular to the point where it helped adults want to go see the movie and so and then all the kids were like oh i want to watch this for the rest of my life me being one of them and then and interestingly with the toy story trilogy uh even though they're coming out with a fourth one so we can't call it a trilogy anymore the saga um, the saga <laughs> it, it follows the age of the um, target audience. Mm-hmm. So the target audience that saw Toy Story 1 and 2, they make Andy going off to college at the same time that the original audience members were going off to college and using that nostalgia to pull on your heartstrings. Very smart. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Um, other game changers. Go. Pew, pew, pew. Um, so I want to talk about first... Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. We talked about this on our Deadpool episode. Um, Parents were really, really mad at that movie because it was PG-rated, and uh, a guy has his beating heart ripped out, and uh, a bunch of other stuff uh, goes wrong. Uh, That's actually the Raiders. Oh, it is? Okay. Um, And there's a bunch of... Didn't have a problem with that. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, good, get out of here, Nazi. (laughs) Or however they talked back then. Well, yeah, you can kill bad guys like that, but it's like a good... It's it's specifically that was the case, that it was a good guy. You're seeing a good person get brutally killed, yeah. Yeah, and so parents, um, there was a lot of backlash, and so the studio was like, hey, Steven Spielberg, um, you're going to have to either not rip good guys beating hearts out of their chests, or you're going to have to make your movie R-rated. And Steven Spielberg said, I don't want to change my movies, but I can't make it R-rated because then I can't sell toys, because kids don't want toys for a movie that they can't see. Mm -hmm. So he lobbied the um, 
MPAA for a new rating system and added the PG-13 rating system. Then the first movie that ever had the PG-13 rating was Red Dawn, a story about communists invading the U.S. and a ragtag group of... Boys. Sexualized teenagers. <laughs> just, just like mom used to make. Uh, beating their communist butts. You know, the just like That's mom the one used Avenge to me! Yeah. <laughs> so that makes sense that we're talking about Red Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> Henry Dean Stanton, Avenge me! Yeah, that's good. You know what? Uh, other connection. I can't speak about the remake, but they remade it and Chris Hemsworth is in it. He is so in it. So it's another, uh, another time. Sucks. Yeah. I'm sure it's it. Not good <laughs> at all. Uh, Mike, do you can you think of? Oh, I know you can. Uh, Mike, tell us about a couple of movies that you are certain changed the game. Oh, you mean the movies we were talking about before we started recording the episodes that we didn't? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I mean the big ones. I'm really into because you guys. I was like, I, I, I want to take the hit. I'll talk about like the big ones that I think everybody kind of considers, so that you guys could have like these fun ones, and I think that that's really cool. Uh, I think Snow White and Toy Story is like the best. With, with, that, mm-hmm. That's like those did change the game in their way, and the same thing with like the MPAA rating. Mm-hmm. You know, Louis C.K. May he rest in peace. Has a great joke where he says like, "You want to you want to know like what the best religion is or what religion won? What year is it?" <laughs> yeah. And he's got that yeah. joke. And I always say when it's like, who's the best director? Is it Hitchcock? Is it Spielberg? Is it Lynch? Is it these? Th- Tarantino? And I'm like. I, uh, what are the ratings of movies? Mm-hmm. Name me one director that came up with one of those. Mm-hmm. It's Spielberg, it's baby. Spielberg. <laughs> He's the one, okay? Does that really matter? Yes, it fucking does. It does. It matters completely. <laughs> He's got that much pull. But um, I was going to say, um, you know, uh, two big movies that pop out into my head are, uh, yeah, like, The Matrix, mm-hmm. 1999, oh. Change the Game, in, in, in relation with... Titanic from 1997. I threw you guys a curveball. Yeah, boy, did you. (laughs) 1997, Titanic comes out, revolutionizes the way that you can use real-life camera-caught footage with CGI practicality and create a story that is both engaging, epic, and unlike anything anybody's ever seen. Flashback. 1975. Oh. Jaws. Drops. (laughs) Two years later, Star Wars, 1977. Both of these, all four of these movies, different decades, separated by two years, where one came out and kind of created the precedence of like this idea of a blockbuster with Jaws. Titanic created the idea of a CGI epic spectacle that everybody could get something out of. But maybe it just wasn't right. Jaws was a little too scary. Titanic's a little too lovey. Then you get Star Wars and The Matrix, huge big movies that everybody can get whatever they want out of. All four movies fuck. Mm-hmm. Are we in agreement on that? Like Titanic oh. is awesome, right? Yeah, like, you guys yeah, aren't absolutely. You guys oh, no. aren't one of those when people. You, when oh, you no. buy two VHSs, <laughs> yeah. you know it's worthwhile. Yeah, it's stacked. Yeah. It's got weight to it. Yeah. <laughs> you remember when Leonardo DiCaprio does like the "I'm the King of the World" thing? Yeah. Oh, you. But he does it with his like friend first before, like he tests it with his friend yeah. before he's, he brings he's, Rose up he's there. He's like, dude, do you think a girl would be into this? <laughs> and he's just like, absolutely, Leo. You're my greatest friend in the world. <laughs> he's a very supportive friend, yeah. that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think that those movies, like you know, I think it goes without saying, just like how important all four of those movies are, and and specifically. Uh, Jaws in creating the idea of blockbusters and stuff like that and what they are for better or worse there's a huge conversation that's like worth way more time than what we have on this about that right but they're definitely movies that kind of change the game and uh, the Matrix changed the game CGI wise changed the end game so to speak nice (laughs) and I mean there's definitely we will very likely get into these movies at a later episode, like as we're discussing them. With The Matrix itself, like that concept of freezing time and then like just pushing the camera into a circle to like follow this character around, like literally jaw dropping. Mm-hmm. It shook the world. Like scared Will Smith away. 
Like yeah. Will Smith at the top of his game said no to the role of Leo because they were explaining to him what they were going to do. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You sound like crazy people. You know what movie he made instead? Please tell me. Yeah. Wild Wild West. Yeah. <laughs> Jim. My good buddy. I'm good buddies with Jim. Yeah. Jim West. Jim West. Oh, wow. His, yeah. Will Smith's character from... We go way back. We hang out all the, t- all well, the time. We used to hang out all the time. Right, but now. He's, he's fucking busy. I'm fucking busy. Yeah. We're grown up. You've both got stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Do you know who was supposed to play Morpheus if Will Smith was playing Neo? You're going to fucking love this. Who? I just learned this the other day. Who? Val Kilmer. Really? Who's going what? to play Morpheus. And you go, that doesn't make any sense. Isn't Morpheus like an elder? Yo, Lawrence Fishburne was fucking 37. Really? In The Matrix. What? what? That's, I, and it's, I'm and thinking, on that note, do you know how old Samuel L. Jackson is right now? He's like 70-something, isn't he? He's fucking 70 years old. Yeah. What the fuck's going on with time? <laughs> time is crazy right now. It's Dude. like I feel like they reset <laughs> shit. Sorry. Yeah, but when was the last time you saw Samuel L. Jackson not in, like, costume? Like, isn't that a lot just makeup? Like, do we see just, like... Black I mean, Captain Marvel is technically in costume, right? And so you're saying, like, out of costume? like I'm saying, when was the last time you saw, like, a, a picture of just Samuel L. Jackson? Oh, I've seen him in, like, he's... interviews and stuff like that. And I, I, he doesn't look fucking 70, I'll tell you that. He okay. looks maybe, yeah. like, in his, his late 50s. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Did you I'll guys see Glass, that. by the way? Sorry, I don't know. No, I didn't, no, I didn't catch Glass. No. Okay, okay, we'll see Glass, we'll see Glass. I'm willing to see Glass. If you, can, if you play it here, I will go see it. Uh, I will. Going back to jaw-dropping, people in the theaters freaking out, I'd love to talk really quickly about The Blair Witch Project and The Exorcist. Um, I don't really talk about scary movies too often because I don't actually watch them, but I know that they are game changers in in terms of people being in the theater and genuinely getting so scared that they have to leave. They go throw up literally mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, like It demonstrated something about cinema and something about uh, storytelling that says you can get engrossed into the story and you can, that suspension of disbelief is much easier to get to than people thought with movies. Yeah, just in terms of like actual storytelling devices or like a format, uh, Blair Witch kind of gave us the found footage genre. Um, and that's what I think why people were so scared because they had never seen anything like that before where it seemed that it was cobbled together from a real person's camcorder. So they were like, holy shit, all of this actually happened. Right. Yeah, there was like an older horror movie from the 80s that like kind of did something mm-hmm. like that. Oh, you, it it was, um, but I can't remember the name of it. And so it, was it a Cannibal lot, Holocaust? I no, think? it wasn't Cannibal Holocaust because okay. Cannibal Holocaust wasn't like. It's Cannibal Holocaust is kind of like that, but they break their own rules mm. in there kind of on purpose, That which was one of, like, the fun things that, like... Are you familiar with Cannibal Holocaust? Nope. Just watching and listening. Cannibal Holocaust, <laughs> uh, they, they, uh, it's a movie. They kill a bunch of people within the movie. It looks so real. Nothing had ever been done like that. That courts actually made the producers bring these actors in to prove that they weren't dead. That's hilarious. It was really cool. Um, that was another one, but as I can't remember it, but it's like the reason that you can't remember it is why Blair Witch is always considered to be this big one. Mm-hmm. Because it yeah. really was this kind of thing where it's like, not only was it found footage and it launched that off, it was like the beginning of the... The, it was the second stage of the Kevin Smith Tarantino kind of thing where it's mm-hmm. like if you got a good idea and you got money, you can make a movie and you can become successful. Blair Witch Project removed the money. It said yeah. you don't even need money. If you have a good enough idea and a way to execute that idea, Blair Witch Project was made for like $10,000. 20000 20000 Just checked. By today's standards? Maybe. I don't know. I just checked, like, earlier today. I mean, I guess 20000 still isn't that much, yeah. too, for a fact that, like, the goddamn thing made, like, uh, $160 million. I'd imagine. $1.2 billion <laughs> in its opening weekend, which is what where Endgame's at at yeah. the time of this recording, right. and we're still not done. Yeah, and I think uh, even referencing, like, if it's the more memorable one, it's the one that won. It's the one because, that won. Because uh, yeah. with uh, Star Wars, a lot of people are like, you can't give them credit for this, this, and this because they borrowed from these movies. And when people are like, what are those movies? 
eh, then, then you didn't, you're not the revolutionary one. You're not the one that mm-hmm. was able to take advantage of this newfound uh, concept and yeah. push through with it. Yeah, the guy that invented pasta is really cool. The guy that invented lasagna is cooler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you, the, like, you like these food-related things that I got here, right? Yeah. And with, with Star Wars... Um, George Lucas also got 40% of the merchandising rights, um, which was unheard of. And after the huge success, merchandising rights became a huge part of the negotiating process from that point forward. Because Mm. they were like, wait, this is a bigger deal than anyone anticipated. (laughs) Um, But now getting like a little bit more modern, I do want to mention last year, 2018, Into the Spider-Verse was so phenomenal in its storytelling, but they also invented a new form of animation mm-hmm. to get that comic booky look that they wanted. And I'm gonna suggest that this is going to be a pivotal moment in animation as we move forward, not just with superhero animations, but with all forms of animation. Yeah, Sony very quickly tried to uh, patent that after they saw how successful the movie was. They were like, okay, we're gonna lock this shit down. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they can do that though. I don't know if they can. I don't know. I don't know if it's I mean, they can lock down they... how they developed it, but like there's thousands yeah. of people that can look at that and go they did this and nobody just ever thought about or had the money to do this. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if they hold any water, but I know that they were trying to do it mm-hmm. at least. Have you guys ever seen that video of uh, Walt Disney describing like how they created their animation camera, the, like the tiered Yes. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And that's yeah. kind of like they did that like with Bambi and stuff like that. Like that's that that's that kind of shit where you're just like like Disney a lot of people like to call them like a uh, big like kind of bad guys mm-hmm. and stuff like that or just like uh, overseers that are going to consume all of reality and the universe and there will be nothing left. <laughs> But they deserve to. I've never been uh, treated anything. I am nobody. I am nothing. And Disney has been like one of like the theater's biggest supporters, Story Screen's biggest yeah. supporters. They have given us licensing rights to animated movies, even though they have the Disney Vault and stuff like that. They gave us mm-hmm. Avengers Endgame. They took a risk on us, and they didn't have to. And they did, and now we've proven to other studios that we can do it, so now we get to go. Disney is the reason that this theater is really successful, and the people I've talked to at Disney are so excited and fun. Disney's shutting down, like, stupid-ass Fox News studios, too. Mm -hmm. Disney's like a superhero. They just seem like a bad guy right now because they're, like, kind of consuming shit. But what if we find out that the only reason that they bought the merger for Marvel was to be able to afford to buy the merger for 20th Century Fox so that they could shut down Fox News? I'd love that Those if they are were playing guys. Like the long con to be like, you know who needs to be shut down? It could then? be. Yeah, yeah it's the long con. Yeah. Uh, okay, tell me a little bit about Amazon. Do you think they're, uh, <laughs> they're good, we, bad, they're, evil? They're bad. Okay. And I will continue to use them because I'm an American and it's easy. <laughs> yeah. I heard they're going from the two-day shipping standard mm-hmm. as into one-day shipping standard. Great. Then, so, can't wait. Holy God. Then, God. I, then they deserve all, all my more, information. I'll buy more shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm a consumer. Shit. I don't yeah. know. You're tell telling them. me that I can order something and like this time tomorrow I get to use it? That's I'll buy dream. anything. And I don't have to leave my house. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Because what I just explained, that's being at a store. Yeah. But you can use it now if you buy it. But, like, I don't want to go to a store because I don't like people at stores. They're slow. They stink. They say shit. They spoil Endgame. Who knows what they do? And it's an errand. Yeah. When you you said, wait, I could buy something and use it tomorrow, I was like, could you imagine? And then I remembered, like, oh, yeah, stores exist. buy stuff, like, now and use it. It's a thing you could do. It's usually how food works. Yeah. You just eat it right there. (laughs) Um, So to wrap us up, I just want to talk about um, the first Avengers um, back in 2012 and what a moment that was because I remember when Iron Man came out, um, it was just like another superhero movie. You know, we had seen X-Men, we had seen Spider-Man, we'd seen a couple Batmans and then you see uh, Nick Fury at the end and he's like, we're... We have the Avengers initiative. And they weren't exactly sure where it was going to go. It might have just been a little Easter egg. Then the Hulk comes out, and you're still not exactly sure. The Incredible Hulk. Excuse me. Yes, you're right. That's a whole different. Incredible. El El Hulk Incredible. I don't know. (laughs) The Incredible Hulk comes out. You still don't know where it's coming. 
I remember seeing the trailer for Thor, and me and my friends are like, oh, holy shit. I think they're all going to, like, come together at the end. Smart friend. Yeah. And then that's, <laughs> it's a good idea, friend. Yeah, maybe, maybe one of them read it online or something. I don't know. But I was like, you're a genius. <laughs> then they fucking did it. And then every other film studio was like, we need to do that right now. <laughs> And they did it all wrong. Yeah, no so, one else has been able to do it. Because they, I mean, they had the DC was trying to do it. They had uh, the monster um, multiverse yeah. or <gasps> cinematic the monster. Yeah. Cinematic. I was actually yeah. genuinely the excited dark, for was that it one. Dark the dark universe. universe. Mm, uh, yeah, I baby. wish that had worked. Bring it back. Yeah. But they, they didn't. They didn't succeed. They, they went too fast, <laughs> thinking, oh, this will just be explained in the next movie. But that's yeah. what MCU did right. Each movie was in isolation until they earned that it didn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And that was with the first Avengers, and we see it again at every Avengers. That's really the only one that I would say isn't necessarily standalone. All the movies within the phases can be all by themselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so now... Did I see Aquaman? Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I did see Aquaman. What'd you think of Aquaman? Aquaman, I had a blast watching it, mm-hmm. but I was like, I feel like I'm five yeah. watching a, a, a movie yeah. from that time. It's like, really cool, yeah, actually. I, I, I really was like, I liked forgo- Aquaman. I was like, I forgot what a campy, goofy yeah. superhero I felt like was it was like. a movie that was made in like 1993 that I never saw. Yeah, exactly. I was like, yo, yeah, cool. Oh, if that's the case, I'm willing to talk about Shazam real quick. Because, I haven't seen Shazam oh, yet. Yeah, I'm either. actually going to, I'm trying to go see it next week. Shazam? I would refer to it as cute. Like it's, <laughs> it looks cute. Yeah, it looks cute. It looks. It's like oh, a superhero movie. Oh, it's for kids. I'm really into it. <laughs> Chuck's in it. And I and I think it's finally like turning a corner for the DC because of the success of the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. They were like, that's our thing. Then mm-hmm. we're dark. Let's do it. And they couldn't do it again. So let's go back to superheroes being kid-friendly, and we are back in the game, baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, at the end of the day, like, after a movie changes history, copy the shit out of it. Don't try to make it unique. Like, just, just go with it. Okay, MCU was successful because they built to something. Start building to something. Mm-hmm. Like, Jurassic Park was incredible with their animatronics and CGI. Um, then, then work off of that. Don't try to copy them directly and then make it slightly different and claim that it's your idea because it fails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm excited. Like, there's, you know, if we're if we're talking dem spoilies, uh, at the end of the credits for Endgame, there is a, a hammer dinging away, and, you know, you can be led to believe that it is in reference to Iron Man, Tony Stark building the first Iron Man suit where all of this came from, which is, I think, directly what it is doing, but I think that it also symbolizes that now is time for Marvel to start building where this goes from here and that it is under construction. The MCU is going to start doing things that are different, that are in that are engaging in a different way, that are maybe engaging a different audience, because now they know that they've got these people. Mm-hmm. They've got $1.2 billion opening weekend. Now they can do literally whatever they want. And and I read deep Marvel comics. There's some weird shit in there that they could yeah. do that I'm kind of excited about them taking risks on. Because mm-hmm. you put the Marvel logo on it now and people go. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about um, these movies changing the game and then other movies following suit. I'm really excited to see when and if we ever get something like the MCU ever again. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Please tune in next time when we talk about I Am Legend and Apocalypse movies. If you liked us, find us on Twitter and Instagram at 2 underscore bald men and find us on Facebook. And remember to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Thank you all again so much. And if you were driving, we hope you got to your destination safely and on time. <laughs>